Welcome to the podcast. Today is February 11th, 2020, and this week we're going to talk about immigration in the digital age. What is immigration, really? I mean, human migration is the movement of people from one place to another with the intention of settling either permanently or temporarily at a new location. And so I guess you can break it down further by voluntary and involuntary migration. So obviously involuntary migration would be things like, you know, fleeing political conflict or natural disasters. And voluntary migration would be, well, moving for economic reasons. But the difference between those two might not be all that obvious. And that's especially true, I mean, if you look at the migration flow into places like Sweden from the Middle East, for example. It's not clear why you have to flee through a dozen countries to escape war and end up in Sweden, but it is clear that if you are hunting for good benefits, then you'd certainly go the extra mile to go to Sweden. That's for sure. Now, in the past, uh, one common reason to migrate was, well, to look for a job. In other words, I mean, you went where, where there were opportunities to compete for. And, and that's still true today, I guess. That is still very much the case if you want to move to a large city. I mean, you have to really want it and you have to put out and you'll have to make some serious sacrifices because living in a big city, as we all know, is very expensive. Uh, and of course, on the flip side, it's quite common to earn a pretty big salary in a city, but you're also going to be spending a lot of that salary and expenses in general are going to be a lot higher in a big city than outside of it. Now, as we've seen the digital nomadism emerge, and we've seen the digitalization of jobs, you now have basically an entirely new generation of people who are seeking to, well, maximize their standard of living. And they do that by, well, by seeking out lower cost locations. Now, if you are lucky enough to secure employment or secure any kind of opportunity, really, in a large Western city, the ideal for you might be to, well, not live in that Western city anymore, but rather just to take your job and, well, go somewhere else. And that's what a lot of young people are doing these days. In fact, that's what a lot of people are doing full stop, not just the young ones. So many techies today, they are actually looking for less competitive and less saturated places. And therefore, you see places like, let's say, for example, let's take an obvious example, Chiang Mai in Thailand or Ubud in Bali or maybe Prague in the Czech Republic or Berlin in Germany. There's a whole bunch of them. You know, these places have a steady inflow of mostly digital professionals who are looking to, you know, well, enjoy themselves, enjoy life, maximize their purchasing power or, you know, just take in a new place, basically. And this phenomenon, you know, with techies moving into somewhat less saturated places, somewhat more uh, low-cost cities, it does lead to something of a parallel economy in extreme cases, especially in these really kind of nomad hotspots. Now, I remember sitting in a restaurant not too long ago in basically a rice field on Bali, and I was overlooking all these locals working away really hard in the pouring rain, it did not look comfortable. And myself, I was comfortably sitting, you know, sheltered under a roof, working away at my laptop with super fast internet. Actually, it wasn't super fast, but it was internet. And I think this kind of typifies the, the new economy. It typifies this kind of parallel economy that I was talking about. And so, I mean, obviously, rice farming is probably one of the only opportunities to sustain yourself with for the locals, well, apart from tourism. And it is hard labor. It is really hard labor. And so you're literally working with your hands in the muddy ground underneath you. And meanwhile, 
20 feet away. You have a group of people with no kind of anchoring to the place whatsoever. They're typing away at a keyboard and they are working on something that has absolutely nothing at all to do with the place they are in, with Bali in this case. And so if you go to one of these you know, digital nomad hubs, you're probably going to find that there are lots and lots of, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of events, meetups, seminars, etc. But they're almost invariably going to be in English, and the locals are very rarely going to be seen in these circles. And I mean, I got to say, if I were local without any digital skills or, or, you know, language skills, I can definitely see how you'd be slightly embittered by the sudden, you know, surge in cost that usually comes with, uh, <laughs> with this new laptop wielding generation. But I still think that the influx of Westerners is on balance. It is a pro. It is a benefit. But let's be honest here. It is a bit of a double-edged sword here. Yes, these digital nomad types will bring in money to the local economy, but it's probably going to go into relatively few hands to begin with. And I've seen myself that it's it's actually quite common that these co-working spaces and these you know Western-oriented restaurants and bars and so forth, they are owned by other expats. They are owned by other nomads. And sometimes they are also staffed by other expats. So, I mean, still, you do have more economic activity that will trickle into the locals' hands. But that's the key. It's going to trickle down. It's not going to wash down. It's not going to flood into the economy. And so it's not going to help the locals participate in any kind of, you know, meaningful capital formation. You're not going to get rich off of the off of the nomads most most likely. You know, some of these nomad hubs, now that I think about it, they aren't really even desirable for even for the nomads themselves because they've just gotten so saturated and so quickly. So not only are, are the locals kind of priced out of these hubs, these hotspots, but as these places get more and more, you know, gentrified and modernized, they kind of just become carbon copies of just another Western town, only with, I guess, a little bit better weather, but that's about it. And so there are plenty of places in Thailand just like that. And, and I think, you know, even Berlin, Germany, in places, it's now just a generic washed out version of its former self, really. I mean, you have these mustache-clad, non-German-speaking baristas who serve overpriced vegan lattes. And there's no more of that original, you know, Berlin essence left. And I guess even to top it off, it's, it's not cheap anymore. So, so why bother? It's a little bit like that expression, oh, yeah, that new restaurant that opened last year? Yeah, no one goes there anymore. It's, it's too crowded these days. And so with these hubs, these nomad hotspots, it's kind of a, it's a similar situation. And, and that's why I think these nomad hubs, they're, they're probably going to, they're going to be ever revolving doors in that sense. There's always going to be a new location and, uh, and the old ones, you know, might once reemerge once the tide has kind of gone back out and they've fallen out of vogue. But I do think, you know, getting back to the big picture here, I do think that migration patterns are probably changing quite a bit, especially amongst techies in, let's say, the 20 to 35-year age bracket. But you probably wouldn't know this just by looking at any kind of official statistics. I mean, yes, it has been reported that something like 5 million Americans describe themselves as digital nomads in the U.S. alone. Well, first of all, these nomads, they aren't necessarily registering in, in the new locations where they're going. Well, they're moving too fast for it anyway. So you're not going to see any of this in any official numbers. And also, these digital nomads, 
they they frequently do you know visa runs and you know they try to circumvent paperwork requirements and and paying taxes and all that and so they aren't really residing anywhere when you really think about it but there's an entirely new subgenre of people also who are who are almost kind of seeking to outright live off the grid altogether and i can tell you that's probably more feasible than you think i mean all you really need if you have a tech job or anything that's really online centric well you just need 4g and well power and both of those are available quite easily just you know thanks to solar cells and more reliable mobile coverage easy so if you think you know being isolated from co-workers might make for less productivity nope you'd be wrong not the case i mean sometimes working away from the hustle and bustle of a busy office that can actually do wonders for your productivity and and besides you're probably not going to miss all that, you know, water cooler talk and the office parties all that much, all the gossip and so forth. Nope, don't really need it. Now, I would say, I mean, if you are fortunate enough to have a job that lends itself to, you know, the digital economy, and if you have just a little bit of wanderlust, why not make the most of it? Personally, I've been fairly nomadic since 2012, but actually, as of this year, I've kind of finally settled down well, settled down for me. And in a city with lots of other nomads, no less. But anyway, what do you think? Do you think the ideal setup is to be a digital nomad? What are the pros and cons of it? Are you one of those people who can't stand nomads? Let me know what you think. Get in touch and thanks for listening. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to comment on an episode or if you want to support the podcast, visit nyman.media slash podcast. That's N-Y-M-A-N dot media slash podcast. Or feel free to leave a review wherever you're listening from. And thanks for listening.